This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. It's Mother's Day, and we are right in the middle of a series called Joyful, really examining the book of Philippians and asking the question, what would it take for us to live with more joy than we've ever lived with? But I've got some bad news for you today, some pretty bad news as a matter of fact. Here's here's the bad news. You're going to have some bad days. Now, when I say you're going to have some bad days, a lot of the times we think about bad days in kind of like the past tense, past tense of bad days. You've had some bad days, but I got some bad news for you. You're going to have some bad days in the future. You see, this series that we're in is actually kind of zeroing in on one book in the Bible. It's Philippians. It's five short chapters written from a jail cell in Rome. And the massive theme of this series uh, in this book is, is joy. As a matter of fact, it's, uh, joy is talked about in the context of, of this book more than it is in any of the other books that the Apostle Paul would ever write. You know what's interesting? The Apostle Paul understood what it was like to have a bad day. As a matter of fact, the church that he's writing, this church in Philippi, well, it it started because he was imprisoned in Philippi. He started praying, and then God shook the prison earthquake. He gets to get out of prison. On his way out, he leads the lead jailer to the Lord. A church starts, and a revival starts in Philippi. See, this is about 10 years after all of that happened, and that church was planted in that little town. And he's writing back to them from this jail cell. But for the last four years, the Apostle Paul has had what many of you and I would have considered a string of bad days. As a matter of fact, again, the Apostle Paul was arrested in Caesarea Philippi about four years before he writes this letter. When he writes that, he's, he's arrested because they accuse him falsely of inciting riots and starting uproars in the community. So here's this problem. He's arrested on trumped up charges. And this is not the first time. I'm going to imagine that he's like, ah, it's prison. I've been here before, right? The Lord's going to shake it. I'm going to get out. But before long, because he's such a nuisance, he's such a troublemaker, at least that's what they think. He is sentenced to be arraigned to the Emperor Nero. Now, I don't know if you know much about history, but Nero was the the emperor of Rome, and he hated Christians. He was officially persecuting Christians. Um, as a matter of fact, I mean, this is, this is gory, but this is what he did. He would take Christians, and in, in gladiator games, he would crucify them and burn them. As the intermission between fights, he would set hungry lions on members and and even sometimes families who professed Christ. And the Apostle Paul is going to be arraigned to Nero. I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty bad turn, right? That's not a good turn of events. On the way, while they're sailing from Caesarea Philippi to Rome, there's a problem. They hit a storm. And in that storm... Something happens. The ship begins to break apart, and Paul is landed on a deserted island. This is not Gilligan's Island, folks. They did not have the professor. 
They didn't have the little village. Miss, Mrs. Howe didn't have 18,000 changes of clothes. And, and they went to go do the only thing that I think guys know to do when you're stuck in the woods, to start a fire. Because that's what guys want to do when we're in the woods, right? Let's start a fire. And as they're collecting wood, the Apostle Paul reaches out to get a piece of wood and is bitten by a snake. Imagine that. Imagine that string of events. I don't know about you guys, but I would be shooting myself. I would be praying, God, take me. See, he knows something about having a bad day. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 1, verses 18, he said this, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I don't know about you, but if that were me, that my verse, if I were penning that, would say, I will complain, I will continue to complain. <laughs> right? I am unhappy, I will continue to be unhappy. But that's not at all what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I will rejoice. See, once they finally got their ship together, that's funny, they got their ship together. We got back, <laughs> sorry, some of y'all didn't catch that. They got back got to Rome, the Apostle Paul is going to pen this letter to the church in Philippi, and I believe that as in this passage that we're going to look at today, beginning in Philippians 1 verse 12, Paul had discovered the secret to having a good bad day. So you're going to have bad days, but the question is, can you make a bad day great? Can you make a bad day great? I believe you can. And I believe the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1 shows us how to do it. The first thing that he shows us that we have to do is to get a bigger perspective. To get a bigger perspective. That's the first thing in your notes today. Look at what he says in Philippians 1.12. In Philippians 112, where he says this. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good. I don't know, if I were writing this verse, I would be saying, everything that has happened to me has helped me feel like I just want to shoot myself. Everything that has happened to me has left me depressed. Everything that has happened to me has left me feeling like I was abandoned by God. But the Apostle Paul has a different perspective. He says, look, everything that has happened to me has caused to advance the good news. That term, good news, is synonymous. It is the exact same term as the gospel in the original language. Gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's saying, listen, there's this good news that Jesus came to earth. God came in flesh. He took on himself the punishment that I should have been, been punished for. He, he was crucified, then buried, and then as he resurrected, he overcame sin and death. This good news, because of everything that has happened to me, this good news is going forward. See, I think sometimes when we think about the Bible, we think that the men and women that God used in Scripture were somehow sprinkled by like magic fairy dust and then unicorns came and choruses of people began to sing and dance and God then gave them perfect conditions. But that's not the truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible is filled with people that God used after long stints of having bad days. A great example of that is a man named Joseph. 
We find Joseph in Genesis, and he has this vision. And it's this vision where he sees, all, basically he sees all of his brothers, and his brothers bow down to him, and they worship him. He's the youngest of all of his brothers, has a lot of brothers, and he makes a younger brother move, right? Because he tells him, <laughs> right? Can you imagine having a bunch of older brothers going in, hey, y'all, I had a dream from God last night. All of y'all are going to bow down and worship me. Isn't that going to be awesome? They didn't think it was awesome. They decided they wanted to kill him, which I think is a little bit of an overreaction, right? So they take him out to kill him, decide this is probably a bad idea, so they sell him into slavery and tell his dad that he was killed in, a, in an accident in the wild. For years, he's in slavery from place to place. He finally lands in a very powerful man's home named Potiphar, where as his wife takes a liking to him, he refuses to do anything that's wrong, and he is accused of having raped her and put into prison. A situation that was bad just got worse. And for years, he would stay in prison until finally somebody that he had been in prison with remembered that he had a special gift. He could interpret dreams. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a dream. And they brought Joseph in. He interpreted the dream. Pharaoh recognized that something was special about him. He installed him into the second in command in all of Egypt. Second in command. As Joseph predicted that there was going to be a famine, but the famine would be preceded by a time of plenty. And so Joseph helped prepare and then eventually, you know what happened? As the famine hit and families began to struggle, there came his family coming to ask for assistance. And look at what he says to his family. Genesis 50, verse 20. For as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. See, that is a bigger perspective. That is a bigger perspective than saying, you know what, I was in prison and it sucked. No, I see now. I see now that God brought me through all of that so that I could be here and do it. I see it now. The first thing we need to do, and he, Paul continues in helping us understand this in Philippians 1, 13 and 14, where he says, for everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, know that I am in chains because of Christ. Now let me just stop there. He's being guarded by an elite Roman guard. All right? They think that Paul is such a significant threat that they have chained him 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. He's literally in chains, chained to a guard. And he says... They now know that I'm in chains because of Christ. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Because of my imprisonment, now many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. He's saying, listen, at first I lost all my privacy and I was chained to a Roman guard, an elite guard, an influential man. And then I realized I'm chained 24 hours a day to an influential man. 
That means that I can talk to him and influence him and win him over. And because of what's happening in the palace guard, now out in the city, as people see these people being won to Jesus, the Christians that are here that have been persecuted are now more bold in sharing the gospel of Jesus. What a different perspective. See, I saw this firsthand. It's Mother's Day, so I'm going to tell you a story about my mom. When I was in college, when I was in college, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. They were very lucky to find it. It didn't form kind of in a kind of cyst mass form. It was forming in mass and she was sick, she had a cold, and she was doing a self-exam, and because of a swollen lymph node, the mass had pushed up against it. She was able to find it. So when she went in to be treated, and she gave me a call, Kevin, they found out I have cancer. I was in college, I mean, I was eight hours away. It was devastating, and so I took a few weeks off from school, and I drove home to be with her. And I can remember this moment when I'm sitting right next to her, And she's in so much pain. She's just had surgery. She's just started her treatment. And she's in so much pain. And I'm looking at her and I say, Mom, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. I'm so sorry that you have to go through this. And she looked at me and she said these words. She said, no, I get to go through this. I get to You see, it didn't have to go this way. I didn't have to find a cancer. I didn't have to be treated. I didn't have the op- I didn't have to have the opportunity to be healthy one day in the future. I di- it didn't have to be this way. No, I get to go through this. And years later, she would tell you that getting to go through that was the gateway to her being alive today and playing and keeping her grandkids. It was the gateway for her to be here and us to be able to live here as a family. And she serves so faithfully here at our church and has been such a big part of that. But you don't get to today without walking through that. And she knew that. She knew that. No, I get to go through it. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 24. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? See, sometimes we get in the, mo- the middle of a bad day and, and our, our, our life becomes, it just becomes captivated. The perspective of our life becomes captivated on the situation that we're facing and we feel abandoned, we feel lost, we feel stuck, we feel like God has left us alone. I want you to see this. It's so important. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me that there's never been a moment when your situation has caught God off guard. There's never been a moment when your situation, what you're facing, what you're walking through has caught God off guard. Not one time. There's never been a time that you got a phone call and it was bad news that God was going, I didn't know that was going to happen. That's news to me. See, God is well at work to the solution to your problem before you even know it is a problem. And if we can get a bigger perspective, we can begin to have a Great, bad day. See, I want to ask you a question. What are you concentrating on when you have a bad day? I don't know if you're like me. See, I thought it was going to be a great idea to preach on how to have a great bad day. 
not really thinking that through because that means that the Lord's probably going to let me go through some bad days so that I'll be ready to talk to you guys. And that's where this week, see, I'm going to tell you, like if I have a bad day, you know what I'm doing? I'm focused on my situation. I am concentrating on it. It is the thing that stays on the surface of my mind. It is the thing that is constantly in my focus. But we've got to do what's number two in your notes today, is that we've got to learn to focus on the right things. We've got to learn to focus on the right things, not on our situations. We've got to learn to focus on our Savior. Now, some of you don't remember back 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, taking pictures was a vastly different thing than it is today. See, you actually used to have to go buy something called film. I know many of you don't understand what that is, but it's this weird-looking thing that you would have to put and thread into a camera, and then you would take a picture, and this is, I'm not even kidding you, you would have to take that film somewhere and wait for a couple days to get to see how good your pictures were. I mean, days you would have to wait, and you would go get them, and then there would be some that were awesome, and there would be some, I don't even, I don't remember taking this picture. It's of the ground. When did I even, I don't, I didn't do that on purpose. But see, today, pictures are so different. See, as a parent, I'm so thankful for that because now when our kids do something stupid, we get to document it. There were so many stupid things that I did when I was a kid that went undocumented. I'm so thankful for that because now there are no pictures. To, there are stories, but there are not pictures. And I don't know if you hear a story, you can go, you kind of doubt that. But when you see a picture, you know that's some, that happened. See, like my, my son, I was dropping my son off uh, to, to daycare not too long ago. And you've been there maybe, maybe with me with this if you're a parent. And he had what can only be described as a massive blowout. It's, it's like that moment when you question, how did that much stuff come out of that little of a thing? And I didn't know it, so apparently it had happened way before we got there because there was quite a mess in the back of my car. And the first thing I reached for was not a wet wipe. It was my phone. Because if that's going to happen, we're going to get some pictures of that. Because there's one day going to be these senior things that you put in the yearbooks. That picture's got to get in there somehow. Right? I mean, we do that. Have you ever had that moment when your kids were just so cute? They're just so cute. And you're like, oh, they're hugging. They never hug. Right? My kids never hug. They love to punch each other, but they don't, they don't hug at all. And so when they hug, you're like, let me grab the, and then you rush and you try to get a picture. But I don't know if this happens all the time to me. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll go, I got the picture. No, my finger was in the way. My finger, it's a picture of my finger. That was such a sweet moment, but now all I have is a picture of my finger. See, sometimes I think we get into this position where we focus on the wrong things. We let the wrong things be the center of our focus. And the Apostle Paul is actually facing something locally that he's going to help us understand as he continues writing in Philippians. See, in his area, there are people who are preaching the gospel but do not like the Apostle Paul. 
As a matter of fact, there have been many times in his history where he was arrested, abused, threatened to be stoned, he was beaten. I mean, multiple times. And of those times, there were times that it was initiated by our side. It wasn't always the other side. And so he tells us in Philippians 5, or 1, 15 and 17, continuing on in the same passage, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. Look at this, intending to make my chains more painful to me. Y'all ever been there? When a situation pops up in your life that all of a sudden something that's painful, something that's provided tension or anxiety, it just instantly makes it worse. You ever been there before? All of us have. You see, I want you to understand today that, that sometimes we've got to shift our focus. I saw this, so let me tell another story about the second mom of my life. That's my wife. About 10 years ago, my wife started getting sick. All right, we didn't know what was going on. And she just, out of nowhere, started losing energy. She would come home at the end of the day and be very tired. She was very sensitive to temperatures. So if she was outside, she was either freezing or sweating. She started to lose her hair. We had her in every specialist at the U USC School of Medicine. We lived in Columbia at the time that we could get her in front of nothing. All your levels look good. All your hormones look good. Everything looks fine. And she told me, she said, you know, I was mad. I was mad at Jesus because I was the kid who grew up not drinking and not doing drugs and not doing anything risky. I should be healthy. I deserve to be healthy. I mean, I did everything that it takes to be healthy. I deserve it. If anybody deserves it, I deserve it. But here I am. I'm not healthy. And the doctors can't tell me what's wrong. And I don't know what to do. And the quality of my life is tanking. And she read the words of the Apostle Paul, where the Apostle Paul is talking about something that he was struggling with. And he says, I prayed three times, God, take this away from me. God, take this away from me. God, take this, please take this away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And my wife said, when I read that, I realized that I was telling God he owed me something that he didn't. Because I'm a sinner just like everybody else in the world. And I don't deserve health. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that sin deserves death. I felt entitled to something that I was not entitled for. And she said in that moment, God helped her to shift her focus from stop saying, God, you owe me, to saying, God, what are you doing in me right now? What do you want me to learn through this? And we see this in the Apostle Paul as he continues on in Philippians 1, 18. But what? Ever, whether or not their motives are pure, these people, the fact remains that the message of Christ is being preached. And so I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and as the Spirit of Jesus helps me, this will all turn out for my deliverance. See, he says this. This is such a powerful thing. I know that these guys are preaching Jesus and they're doing so in a way that they're trying to hurt me, but they're preaching Jesus. And when they preach Jesus, people hear Jesus. People get to respond to Jesus. So I don't care if they're trying to hurt me because the truth is that the message of Jesus is being preached. The kingdom of God is being advanced. See, he's focused on the right things. So I can tell you something as a church, we've never had that moment where we've had a fist fight in our staff meeting. 
Y'all know Jimmy who comes up here? Never took a swing at anybody. <laughs> Never. You know why? You know why there's such a level of agreement really behind the scenes in what we do? Because we're focused on reaching people that are desperately in need of hope. That's why. And all those other things that other churches will argue about, what color the drapes are, all right, whether we're going to serve coffee outside or in, we're not arguing about that because we're concerned about the most important thing, and that is creating an environment where the people of Stanley County and Central North Carolina can come to know Jesus. See, we have to do that sometimes. That's number three in your notes. We must remember our purpose. We need to remember our purpose. As the Apostle Paul ends this passage, he, he writes some of the most powerful language, I believe, in all the Scripture. I want you to see this. We're going to put it on the screen. Read it along with me. Philippians 1, this is verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. In other words, I don't want to give up. I'm not going to turn away from Jesus, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, you get this sense that he's at the end of his journey and he's tired, but he says, I don't care what I face. I don't care. Because I believe that God has given me the courage that whether it is through death or life, God will be exalted in me. Christ will be exalted through me. That's why I'm alive. And see, when we can be reminded of the purpose that we're living for, somehow those problems begin to shrink. I'm going to explain that in a moment. But look at what he says in the next verse. He says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, listen, I believe heaven is real. I believe in God. I know that Jesus has overcome sin and death. And if I'm going to live, if I'm going to live, if I'm going to breathe right now, I am going to breathe for Jesus. That's where joy is found. Joy is found when our lives are consumed with Jesus, when every breath is dedicated to the purpose of exalting his name. But if I die, if I die, I gain. See, some of us right now, our trials that we're facing, in just a few years, they're going to feel small because you're going to face bigger ones. Eventually, every person in this room is going to face a trial that is going to eventually, outside of Jesus coming home, result in death. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, if I get to live, it's for Christ. But if I die, it's gain. See, I think sometimes we look at our problems and our problems seem so big. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. If you have big problems, the only reason you have big problems is because you have a little God. That's the only reason you have big problems. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, when we gain the perspective that God has overcome sin in the grave, when we allow Him to focus our hearts on Him, and when we get 
totally sold out and passionate about our purpose, something happens to our problems. We start to see them in light of who he is. Our problems become small. And on those bad days that you face in the future, because of his grace and mercy, you can have a great bad day. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for the truth that we have in you, the powerful reality that we can know you, that we can be held by you. God, that we can be uh, taken through a bad day from bad to good to great. And we believe that, God, that you can do that in us today. We believe that it is a promise that if we're here today and we've dedicated our hearts to following you, it's a promise that you have for us. So what I want to do is just everybody bow your heads and let's all close our eyes. Nobody getting up and moving around right now. I just want to ask you a question. This promise of joy on a bad day is a promise that God gives us if we're following him. It's a promise that God gives us if we're following him. And there's some of us today, we know we're not following Jesus and we need to make that decision. We need to say, God, I'm sorry I failed you. I haven't done it right. God, would you please forgive me? Receive me back into the family. If that's you and you know you need to make that decision, raise your hand right now. Awesome. Who else? I see. Who else? Who else is here today and you know I need to make that decision. I've walked away from God. Awesome. So let me ask one more question today. There's some of you today that are here and you've been facing, just like the Apostle Paul, some extended bad times. And you know that you need the Lord to refocus your heart today. If you're here and you just want to say, God, I know that what I'm facing is bad, but I believe that in you, you can make it good. God, I want to focus my heart on you. Raise your hand if that's you. Awesome. There's a lot of you. Who else? So God, for those who have made that decision that they want to follow you and those who say that even in the midst of this difficult season that they're facing, God, we just ask that you give them strength and grace and help them to make that decision to take the next step to follow you. God, give them joy. Give them the richness of joy in their hearts for your glory, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.